Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good morning. I'm so thankful to God to be here. Y'all had the most eventful Saturday of my life. And um, <laughs> I thank God that I'm here. Just, man, I, I did something real manly. All the men in here, if you've never changed um, the oil in your own car, I did that yesterday. And I, oh, man, I just felt so good. I got from under the truck so greasy. My wife was looking at me like, way to go, brother. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. And then, and then Saturday, I had some things take place in my bathroom, and I just didn't know if I was going to live to tell the story. But thank God, by his grace, I'm here, man. That, that plumbing, it's going to be all right. I pray for it, and it's praise God. Well, look, <laughs> if you're new here, we welcome you. Um, we don't take for granted that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Um, we, we, we thank God that you're here. And um, we, again, I, I honor and I celebrate my pastor. So thankful for his life and the, and the anointing that's on him. Thankful that he's allowing me to stand in front of you all today. And um, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into it. So, Father God, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you that I'm here, that we're all here, Father God. I thank you, God, for the anointing that's in this room, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that the word that you've given me to speak Father God, that you would do so and that it would, it would minister life, Father God, that it would equip, that it would encourage, Father God, and that it would make us a better bride. In the name of Jesus, amen. So uh, today, church, I want to talk to you about prayer. Uh, God is calling us to pray in the, the time that we are living in. God wants to display his glory. He wants um, to show his might. He wants to show his power. Um, but he needs people asking him for it. He needs people praying f- for it. And um, if you aren't sure, I don't, I don't want to be s- spooky. I want to demystify it right off the top what prayer is. Prayer is simply talking to God. Something that, that you do every day is simple as talking to God. A lot of people have not learned how to talk correct. I mean, like, couples are being separated and divorced because they don't talk um, Children and the relationship they have with their parents are in shambles because they are in, they don't want to talk. Or um, families have endured decades and generations of dysfunction because we sweep things under the rug and we don't want to sit down and, and talk. Well, what about you? How's your relationship with God? When's the last time you just talked with him? And, and so that's what I want to talk about. I, the, 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 the title of my message today is Power position. And um, so I'm talking about prayer and we, our pastor does an extremely great job of ministering on prayer. And if you read his blog, there's tons of resources on his blog about prayer, but I want to approach it, the topic of prayer from a little bit of a different angle. Is that all right? Y'all got to talk back to me. Okay. So let me read this quote to you by Andrew Murray. He says, prayer is both one of the means and one of the fruits of union to Christ. As it means, it is of unspeakable importance. All the things of faith, all the pleadings of desire, all the yearnings after a fuller surrender, all the confessions of shortcoming and of sin, all the exercises in which the soul gives up self and clings to Christ find their utterance in prayer. See, prayer is a place where your union with God is affirmed and it's strengthened. So like in your union, everything that happens in your day, should happen within the union of your relationship with God. So the way I think, the things I feel, the things I say, just how my day went, whether my wife was there or not, she's aware of it because I'm in a covenant. I'm in union with my wife. And that's how it should be 
with, with, with Jesus. Amen. You're in union with him. Everything that happens, the, the way you feel, the things you think, the things you've experienced during your day, they cannot happen outside of the confines of that marriage with Jesus. Amen. We don't want dysfunctional marriages. And that's what Jesus is coming back for, y'all. He's coming back for a bride. That's you. That's us, the church. That's you. He's coming back for that. And I would hate, I'd, I'd hate for, you know, uh, for God to come back and you just not, I don't recognize you. You're not my bride. You, you, I, because we don't talk. We don't talk. And for people who don't pray, who don't have a prayer life, who, um, you know, they just have a hard time getting in that. Hear my heart when I say this. You are missing out. You are being robbed of the joy that you could have. You're being robbed of the peace you could have, of the comfort you could have. You're being robbed of the peace you could, you could have. You are also being robbed of the influence you could have with God. What are you talking about, Joshua? Influence with God. Moses. Y'all know Moses. He was a man that um, we, most people just know as the God, the God used to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. But what I love most about Moses that we often overlook is that he was a man of prayer. He was a man of intercession. There were times where God was about to just release his wrath because people were just doing things that people do. And Moses would stand between God and he would stand between the people and God would turn his wrath on them. There was a prophet who came to King Hezekiah in Second Kings and he says, look, you about to die. And you know what he did? He cried because it upset him. It would upset me too. But then the Bible says that he prayed. And the Lord allowed him to live another 15 years. You know what that is? That's influence with God. So there's things that we need to be praying for, for God to do in the earth. But we don't have influence with God, at least not the way we think we do. And some of the influence we have, yes, God is answering our prayers. But I mean, it's so hit and miss. You ever wonder why you can pray for somebody for this thing here and it happens. And then you can pray for somebody else or in a similar situation and it doesn't happen. Let's just say the faith was there. Let's just say all the circumstances were the right. You did in Jesus name, but it still doesn't happen. Well, I'm going to talk about that today because I really want us to develop in our prayer life. There's a way that your prayer life can become more effective. Can I have a better amen in that? Listen, let me read you this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He's my favorite, y'all. The Sunday morning church service shows how popular your church is. The evening service shows how popular your pastor is. Your private prayer times show you how popular God is. I'm not even going to look up. Y'all just keep looking straight ahead. And I'm going to just keep on going. So I asked several people this week when I was preparing for this sermon. And I want you to listen to these questions. If you want to write them down, if you want to internalize, don't say them out loud, okay? Just literally answer these questions within yourself. I asked several random people at random, do you pray? How often do you pray? How long do you pray? Why do you pray? Then I ask them, why do you think a lot of Christians don't really have a prayer life? And then I ask them, how often do you fit into the lifestyle you just explained in that last question? And all the answers, they vary. But here's, here's what I've come to the conclusion. No matter how you answered any of those questions, they can all be addressed if we just examine our position in Christ. See, the Bible tells us that it is in him, somebody say in him, that we live, that we move, and that we have our being. So here's what I'm saying. Everything in Jesus is true. In Jesus, you'll discover life. 
outside of Jesus, it's a lie. And it will lead you to death. Everybody say, in Jesus. In Jesus is the power position. And we all know that Jesus, yeah, he's our Lord, he's our Savior. But I think sometimes we, ne- we look over the fact that Jesus had a prayer life. He had a prayer life. He would send the disciples away. He'd go up the mountain to pray. The, Jesus, the disciples would wake up in the morning looking for Jesus, and they find him praying. There's plenty of times where Jesus would just stay up all night and pray. I would love to say that I spend all night in prayer, but I have not yet reached that point in my journey. But this is what Jesus did, and Jesus was God. And if Jesus had to pray often, if Jesus had to pray fervently, how much more so do you think you and me should be praying? So I'm getting there. I'm getting to the point I'm trying to make. And I want you to realize this. God has already done his part. He has made himself available. There, I don't want to get too churchy here, but there is an abiding presence. And here's what I mean by that. There's scriptures that you know. You might not know where they are off the top of your head. But there's scriptures that you know that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's scriptures that says that the Lord is a very present help. There are scriptures to say that I am continuously with you and I hold you. So these, what this means is that God is, he's constant. He's here. Yes, he's omnipresent, but it means that he's available. He is accessible. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But here's the beauty of it. You don't have to go very far. You just have to make the effort. There's an abiding presence, which means he's available. He's here. Are you ready? You ready? We're going, we're going. Somebody says in the name of Jesus, Come on, put some church in it. In the name of Jesus. Listen, in the name of Jesus, I want to read John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. Listen, in the name of Jesus is great. And it's, it's but it's not just a tagline. It's not something you just put in the front or the back of, of your prayer. Now, stay with me. You definitely want to pray using the name of Jesus. That's not I'm not saying stop using that. But I'm saying there's more to in the name of Jesus, because when you pray in the name of Jesus, what happens is it's um, it's like you're asking the father. In Jesus's place, because of the finished work of Christ, because of the blood of Christ, because of what he did on the cross, Christ on the because of what he did on the cross, you now have a legal right to use the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? And it's not like you're asking because you have no merit. You have no rights to ask the father for anything. But when you come in the name of Jesus, the father doesn't see you. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. So I think about. Oh, come on. I like when y'all clap. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So I think about when my son, when, when Levi, he's four, when he comes to the, to the kitchen and he says, Daddy, can I have, um, you know, something to drink, some sugary drink? I am cl- inclined and I is perfectly within my right to say no. Because Levi don't own nothing. He ain't buy nothing. He ain't, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in my house is mine and the fullness thereof. You see what I'm saying? But um, he has no right. He has no marriage to ask anything. I'm perfectly within my rights, and I'm not even being mean if I say no. But if he comes and he makes his request and he precedes it or ends that request with mommy say it, there's somebody who trumps me. And I don't have to do any thinking about it. 
I can give him as much Kool-Aid, as much sugar, as much junk food as he wants because mommy has already said that it's okay. Does, does that make sense? And that's what it's like when you use in the name of Jesus. I'm trying to make it real practical for you. That's what it's like when you use the name of Jesus. But then here's the other side of in the name of Jesus. See, that word in for all my English people, the word in, it's a preposition, which means it denotes a place, a sphere, a realm, a location. I was talking to Pastor David about it, and he was like, man, y'all talking about me and Rocky, were, uh, Pastor Rocky, we're trying to think of the easiest way to say it, and everything was just going straight over his head. So here's the easiest way I can say it. It denotes a place. So I can say the ketchup is in the refrigerator. The end denotes the place where I can say I am on, on being the preposition, on the stage. Well, look, when you pray, you should pray in the name of Jesus. It's a location. It's the place you need to be. And I believe most people would have more effective prayer lives if we just take up residence in Jesus. Just be in Jesus. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want you to be, I know that's a long introduction, but I want you to be in the name of Jesus. I want you to be in Jesus, connected to Jesus. Are you ready? All right. So here's where I'm getting all of this from. Let's go to John chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and, say and, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. That's a whole lot. So let's just kind of break that down. Church, who is the vine? Who's the true vine? Jesus. Who is the vine dresser? It's God, God the Father. Who's the branch? That's us. And it's your job as the branch to be connected to the vine or to be connected to Jesus. And it says, if you do that, if you are abiding, connected, Remain, whatever adjective we want to use, to Jesus, the Bible says that you will bear fruit. Ooh, that's the goal. You need to bear fruit. Check this out. As you bear fruit, the Bible says that God the Father, he will do some pruning. So everything seems like to, it's going real good, but all of a sudden I lost some friends. Or all of a sudden things, but it, I got, it got a little hard, but I got a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. That's the pruning. But it's for you to bear more fruit. And you need to bear more fruit because other people have to benefit from your life. We can't reach the world unless you are bearing fruit. Now, here's the part I think we oftentimes forget. It says, if you aren't connected to Jesus, if you aren't connected to the vine, that branch, it withers. And it has to be cast into the fire. God is good. So listen to me when I say he is good, and it's not him who cuts off branches and throws them into the fire. Your choice to not be connected to Jesus causes you to disqualify yourself. So when things aren't going the way they should, you have to look, am I really connected 
to the, to the vine. It doesn't seem like I sense or feel the presence of God. You might not be connected to the vine and you're withering. And guess what? You have to be taken off of the, the whole plant, the whole tree, because we don't want you to bring down the rest of the plant. The whole tree's got to bear fruit and we're not going to let you be the weakest link. Goodbye. You see what I'm saying? So you have to, you have to, you have to make it your business to be connected to the vine, to be connected to Jesus, to abide in him so that you can bear more fruit. And as the Bible says, we're talking about prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and we'll get to that, and my words abide in you. But it says you will ask. That sounds a whole lot like prayer to me. What you desire, and it shall be done for you. And we'll talk about desire here in a little bit, but it'll be done for you. So a lot of times you have to look at if my prayers aren't being effective, you have to examine your position. In Christ is the power position. It's a place where it will lead you to being more effective and fruitful in your life as a believer. Amen? So here's what I want to get into. I want to get into five benefits of abiding in Christ. I'm going to give you the why you should do it, okay? So benefit number one is that you have full benefits to the name of Jesus. The Bible says, um, you know, you ask the Father what you want, but, and you, but you have to use the name of Jesus. But if you're abiding in Christ, you have full benefits to the name of Jesus. Here's what I mean about that. So Jesus says in that day, you know, they'll say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? But Jesus will still say, depart from me. I never knew you. So regardless of whether you follow Christ or not, the name of Jesus, it just works. It just works. So you might be a little deceived when things are just working, but it's kind of hit and miss. It's kind of spotty. You might not be connected to the vine. But if you read Colossians 3.17, I'm going to bring it all back together right here. He says, and whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17 just said, and whatever you do. A second ago, we read John 14.13. It says, whatever you ask, whatever you do, do it in my name. Whatever you ask, do it in my name. You can't separate the two. So if the name of Jesus is going to be holy and completely at your disposal, you have to be holy and completely at his disposal. Does that make sense? You cannot separate the two. You just can't. You have to be possessed by the Lord. And you, that only happens if you are connected to the vine, if you are abiding in him. And when you're connected to him, when you're abiding in him, you are hidden in Christ. And again, like I said, when God, you have no merit to ask God for anything. But with Jesus, you have a legal right. So when God sees you, he really don't see you. He really sees his son, the one who is worthy enough to ask him for anything. Amen. And when this happens, you will see that your prayers really do have the power to prevail. Does that make sense? Point number two. Oh, man, we're moving fast. I think. Point number two. When you abide in Christ, it works in us faith. See, abiding in Christ, it works in us the faith that can obtain the answer. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Matthew 9.29, real quick. It says, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And then in Mark eleven twenty four, he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So here's the thing about coming to God in prayer is that you have to have an expectation. I don't go to the grocery store 
and not expect them to have food there. I don't go to the bank or an ATM machine and not expect there to be money there for me to assess. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I have an expectation when I go, and oftentimes when I go for what I went, I leave what I came back for, except for y'all who went to Popeye's for that chicken sandwich. You had, ah, I knew I could work it in. Yes. I knew I could do it. <laughs> it's getting bad out there, y'all. It's getting bad out there. Y'all just stay with Jesus chicken. Just stay with Chick-fil-A. It's going to be okay. All right? Okay? Just stay with God on this one. Okay? Shoot. Man, I love this church. Listen. Listen very carefully when I say this. The Bible is lined with promises. But because it's there, it does not automatically make it yours. You have a right to it, but it does not automatically make it yours. So here's what faith is. Faith is the passcode to the promises. So if you read Hebrews 11 when it says, now faith, this is the amplified version. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So here's what faith is. Faith is, it's a placeholder. It's, uh, it's confirmation that what you are asking God for it's confirmation that he heard and that it's on the way. So you think about people who do online orders like Amazon, for instance. You place your order, you make your request, and then you get an email that says your item has been shipped, it's on the way, and it usually has a confirmation number. So when that thing doesn't show up, when you think it's supposed to show up, you thought it was going to show up in two to three days, but it hasn't quite showed up, you can go, maybe something didn't work right. But if you go back to that email that says, here's the confirmation number, we got your order. We got your prayer request. It's been shipped. It's on the way. That's what faith is. It's the assurance. It reassures you, know that God heard me and that he answered my request because I'm connected to the vine and I'm asking in the name of Jesus and I'm seated in Jesus. This means that when I ask, because I have my faith involved, which brings about my expectation, I know the very thing that I requested is on its way. Does that make sense? Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's why faith is important, because it's faith that pleases God. Without faith, you can't make it even really into the room, so to speak. Like it sounds bad, harsh to say that. And but I, so here's what I don't want you to think. Well, I don't have the faith that Moses had. I don't have the faith that Pastor Mitch has. I don't have the faith that this person that no, yes, you do. He's given to every man the measure of faith. It's up to you what you do with it. So when you are spending time with God, connected to the vine, in prayer, and you start to see that those prayers are being answered and that they're being effective, guess what? My faith just got a little bit bigger. And I can believe God for a little bit higher, a little bit better. Does that make sense? My wife and I was having this conversation the other day. We are about, about to start looking for houses. If you're a realtor, just stay where you are. We, we good. <laughs> We're about to start looking for houses. And, um, and, 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 but, but, but it's, the whole thing is a testimony. See, when we were in Virginia, we both had full-time jobs. And now we're here, and she's, it's a blessing. She's able to stay home with the boys, and we're just working. You know, I'm the only person working. But we're able to do more with that one income. And she was like, man, I didn't even think they were pre-approvals for that much. I said, man, I think I believe God too small. 
I thought my faith was bigger than this. I mean, it was, we, we good. We good with where we are, with what they pre-approved us for. But I'm just like, man, I should have believed God for a little bit more. Like, <laughs> you know, what, what could I have done differently? But here's what we, I don't want you to miss this in 11.6, Hebrews 11.6. It says, when you come to God, you believe that he's God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Again, we want your prayer life to be effective. We got to win this world. We got to be able to show them Jesus. We need to be able to pray for the sick and they recover. We need to be able to pray and stand in agreement with people and the things that we stand in agreement for come to pass. So listen, if you want to be more effective in that area, diligently seek him. How do I do that? Easy. I just stay connected to the vine. I just stay seated in Jesus. In that power position, I just rest, remain, I dwell in Jesus. Amen. And as you remain in Christ, you begin to grow in your awareness of the union that you have with him. And you'll see that it's him who's actually answering and honoring your request and bringing it to pass. It's not you. It's not you. So even when you ask God, even when we believe God for healing for somebody, don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid that it doesn't happen right then and there because it's not on you. It's on him. And when you have that mindset, man, you will walk in a lion's den and you will slap a bear because you just know who your God is. You, you know what I mean? It, it ain't on me. It ain't on y'all. Did y'all catch that? Lion's dens and bears, they don't go together. Okay. You make sure y'all awake. Okay. <laughs> Benefit number three to abiding and resting in Jesus to keep us in the place where the answer will be given. So listen, what is prayer? It's communicating with God. It's talking to God. So if I go to God in prayer looking for an answer, why would I think that the answer to my prayer will be found outside of prayer? Anybody like football? Let me tell you about football. There's two positions in football that I want to talk about right now. There's the quarterback, and then there's the wide receiver. The wide receiver, his job is to catch the ball that's thrown. The quarterback, his job is to get the balls into the hand of the right person. So here's what happened. There's a huddle. Everybody on the team, they come together, they huddle, they have this meeting, they have this prayer meeting, and they're strategizing what's going to happen. And Jesus, I mean the quarterback, I mean Jesus, he says, here's what you need to do. If you want to see this happen in your life, I need you to do this. And they say, okay, I'm in agreement. Break, amen. And so they spread out, and the quarterback, he lines up, not, you know, everybody's good. And the, and the, and the quarterback, and, the, and the, 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 who am I saying? The wide receiver. He's good. He's ready. They say, go. Now, listen, you would think that the quarterback is throwing the ball to the wide receiver. That's not right. That's not what he's doing. Because when they were here, what they talked about was wide receiver. Here's what you need to do. When I played football in the street as a kid, because I'm too, I, you know, in the street as a kid, <laughs> not on the football field. See, our play is consistent like, look, you're going to run about 10 steps up. And then took like a slant, maybe five steps that way. We just did it by feet, you know, because we was in the street, you know. So you run. They say, go. And I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then I go, one, two, three. And I get to where I'm at. And the ball should be here. The ball should be here. You see, when God answers, when he blesses, he doesn't throw it to you. He throws it to the place where you're supposed to be. We're talking about positioning. He throws it to the place where you're supposed to be. So could it be that God is actually answering your prayer, but you ain't where you're supposed to be? Where you at? He didn't throw the ball here. You way down there talking about some, God, I'm open. God, I'm open. God, I'm open. He's like, nah, there is where you're supposed to be. Where are you supposed to be, church? Connected to the vine. 
Resting in him. Abiding in him. Ah, shh. Them Carolina Panthers better come recruit me to coach, man. I'm telling you. But here's another thing with, with football. You got all these defenders. You got all these obstacles. You got life. You got all these things coming at you. But still, timing is key. You see, the quarterback, he only has but a few seconds to get rid of that ball before the defensive players come and take him out. And the wide receiver, likewise, ain't got but that same amount of time to get where he has to be. Look, timing, God's timing, God's timing is what you want. The Bible says, we were just talking about this on Tuesday, right, Rick? He says, imitate those that through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Faith and patience. See, a lot of times we, 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 we don't wait for God in the place of prayer and we get antsy. We say, man, God just blessed me with this house. He just blessed me with this car. And then we don't see them anymore. Because now they got to work all these extra hours to obtain or to sustain the very thing that God blessed us with. See, a lot of times we waste so much time on these career paths. God blessed me with this job or he blessed me with this business. And then we don't see you anymore. And there's one thing if he gave you the strategy. There's one thing if he gave you the strategy. But a lot of times, we, man, we be putting stuff on my father like that, and that ain't cool. You're like, oh, God bless, but, but no, because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. And you doing that in the name of the Lord. And see, here's what that is. So now you have to work all these extra hours because everything in Jesus leads to life. You had to go outside of Jesus to get that. And that's dangerous. And anything outside of Jesus, it came by you striving. And then you got to work double overtime to maintain it. Wait for God in the place of prayer, connected to the vine. Be patient. Be patient. Don't look for the answer to your prayer elsewhere. If God wants to answer your prayer all the way over there, guess what? When you come to the huddle, he's going to give you the steps to get there to the answer for your prayer. Amen. Number four, this is probably, I think, the best one, most challenging one for us all. When you are abiding in Christ, your self-will is kept down. Yeah. When your self-will is kept down, the thoughts, the desires, they change. They transform. It's no longer the way you would think. It's all, you ever been like out and about and all of a sudden the Lord says, do this, and you like, well, that had to be the Lord, because I don't think about just giving people $50. You know what I'm saying? Like, you make sure that was the Lord. <laughs> he did not just speak to me that. He didn't just tell me that. He, he might have told you that, though. You know, sha-ba-ba-ba. Give to the building fund. Give to the building fund, okay? Listen, we're trying to build a building to be a blessing to our community. Amen? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, God is far above humanity in thought and in deed. In fact, the way he thinks, the way he does, is so much better than the way you would do it. Amen? Let's check out this scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and been found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death 
of the cross. See, listen, when Jesus came, he says, I can, when he came to earth as a man, he says, I can't do anything without the Father. So why do you think Jesus, as a man, prayed as often as he did? It's because it takes prayer to constantly lower yourself to be of no reputation. It takes prayer to constantly get the strength to go low and be humble and to be submissive. The Bible says he was obedient even unto death. So, yeah, you don't, you don't spend time with the Lord and don't come out with that kind of power. Like, that's real power, the power to go low and to submit and to do the things you don't want to do. Jesus is being persecuted every day. And it takes so much strength. The only type of strength that can be gained like this it comes by prayer and being connected to God. And again, so if Jesus had to do that, how much more do you think we need to do it? See, Jesus came as a man. So listen to me when I say this. A prayer life benefited Jesus because it allowed him to be able to hear the Father and to remain in the Father. For you and me, a prayer life will allow you to hear the Father and will allow you to remain in the Father. It would also help us out in the area of sin. Any kind of sin. I don't even have to name them. You know what they are. That's what a prayer life will help you do because your thoughts, your will, all that stuff, it begins to change and transform. So now the things that you pray for, the things you believe God for, instead of believing God for a new automobile, for a new house, you begin to believe God for different stuff like, God, I want to believe you for the finances to buy somebody else an automobile, to buy somebody else. Look, that's kingdom. That's kingdom. It, it, changes, it changes your perspective. Instead of I want, I want, I want, for me, for me, for me, it, it changes to like, I want this so that I can do f- for this person, so that I can be a blessing for this person to expand and to enlarge your kingdom. Amen. The like mindedness of Christ, it will grow on you. And the very works that you do, they won't even be your works. It'll be works and thoughts and actions that didn't originate with you. It originated with him. That's how it is with the gospel. If the gospel starts with you, it's not the gospel. But it all starts with Jesus and what he did. Starts and ends. Everything. It's not, I think I've said it before, it's not about us. So the moment uh, we realize that, it would even change the way we pray. Pastor Mitch tells us, um, you know, on, on Sunday nights when we have prayer, and he always shares with us, he'll, he'll encourage us. The things you pray for, the things you desire, pray for those things last. And that, that confirms Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then you'll even reach a point where you don't even pray for the stuff that you would used to pray for. And they might not have even been bad. And what you'll realize that, um, you know, I'm just praying for things that are on the heart of God. I'm praying for my president. I'm praying for this nation. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for schools. I'm praying for the loss. That's effective praying. So I'm doing all that while being seated in Christ. And so now these requests that I have unto God that I'm not worthy enough to ask anyway, he says, Jesus, that's who I see. God, he says, I see you, Jesus, and you're praying my will. So it goes back to what we talked about with the vine. He says, if you abide in me and my word in you, you can ask what you will. You can ask what you will. So when you ask God for stuff and you're like, oh, I'm I've been asking God for 25 years, you probably may not be asking his will. Why y'all do that? <laughs> I'm 
not trying to step on toes. I'm just saying that's just what it is. I want, I want us to have a heart to pray effectively. And I don't mean pray effectively so that God can bless me and my household. I want to be able to pray effectively so that my effectual fervent prayers will avail much. So that when I lay hands on the sick, that thing comes out of them. When I cast out devils, it comes out that very hour. When I look at somebody and I say, thus says the Lord, it won't always be like this. Then my words have validity because I'm not preaching and I'm not sharing things from my own heart. Your heart is desperately wicked. So you can't pray with your heart. You have to pray from the heartbeat of God. Then our prayers will be effective. Then our prayers will be answered. Amen. We got a city and a nation. You got family members that got to be reached. And if they if you don't look like Jesus, they don't when they look at you, all they see is your past. And what you used to be like. But if you can show them Jesus, oh, my goodness, the possibilities, the possibilities they can say, oh, man. And then what they said about the disciples, these men, they are unlearned. But I can tell they have been with Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. I want to sound like Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus. When you spend five minutes with me, I want you to be like, then our hearts burn. That brother act like Jesus. And it's only because I'm striving to be connected to the vine. Amen. Let's go to my last point. Abiding in Christ. The benefit of abiding in Christ is that it teaches us to aim to give God all the glory. John 14, 13 We've already read it. It says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 17, 1, 4, really the whole chapter of John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. And this tends to be a theme in it. So I'm just, the verse 4, it says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should be given eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And then even in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, he says, God says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to be carved images. So what am I saying? Everything God does is for his sake. It's for his glory. And I think we forget that sometimes. It's for his sake. And it's for his glory. Say that with me. For his sake. And it's for his glory. Jesus came to reveal the Father and everything that he did, even in prayer, y'all, it glorified the Father. Everything we do, it has to be to glorify the Father. Everything we watch, you reach a point when you're abiding in Christ, and everything you watch, everything you listen to, is to glorify the Father. I remember um, a moment, I think I became a little bit more hidden in Christ. I was listening to, I was, I was running, and I was listening to some Christian music, some Christian worship music. And a, a lot of that, nothing wrong with it, it has its place. It was very encouraging, but it was, a lot of the focus was on, me or the songwriter, you, you know what I mean? Like, do it, you know, do it for me, God. You did it before, do it, you know. Uh, Lord, whatever you do, please don't do it without me. I love it. Paul Morton goes in on it. But it was, it was for me. And I remember the moment I just, I just won't satisfy. I just wasn't happy. 
with that. See, I want to listen to music. I've reached a place where I want to reach, I want to listen to music. I want to sing music that's directly to the Father. Songs that say, you're worthy of it all. For, from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. See, when you sing the will of God, when you sing the heartbeat of God, when you sing the word of God, man, he's glorified. He doesn't want this secondhand worship prayer. A lot of times we look at it, oh, I feel good. I feel good. I'm all hyped up. Now I can glorify God. But that's just smudgy worship. You ever make copies on a, a, a copy machine, and the original is what you make copies from. But if you ever lose that original and you start making copies from the copies, you know what I'm talking about? It's not as defined. It's, it's smudged. And, and that's what happened. We end up with this skew view, the skewed view of God. And that's what's plaguing. That's something that's plaguing the body of Christ. It's, I, I know people. I went to school. I grew up in church with people like that. It's, oh, man, God is so good because I got the job. God is so good because I got the house. God is so good because we getting married. God is so good because he did this for me. But no, what about God is so good because he loved me enough to send his son to down the cross for my sins. That's enough, man. And, 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 and when, you reach, when you reach that place, and I'm not saying you got to be there today because I'm not saying I don't even listen to those other songs from time to time, but I will turn off the radio and put on my own uh, playlist because I just want to hear music that glorifies God. Does it make sense? You reach a point where even your conversation, it turns to glorifying God. I have a four-year-old and I have an 18-month-old, and somehow or another, we ended up with this karate belt at my house. Don't none of, nobody does karate at my house. And Levi was, oh, yeah, yeah. and um, Ryder, who's 18 months, who's in that phase where he's just trying to take everything, he came <laughs> and he took it. He took it from Levi. And Levi was all upset about it. And so now Levi has one in and Ryder has one in. And Levi's using his words, but whining. I'm like, stop all that whining. And Ryder's just pulling, just good, good. So here's what I did. Because when you connect to the divine, even the way, no, 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 I, I didn't whoop anybody. Listen, <laughs> when you connect to the divine, even the way you talk to your children changes. Here's what I said to them. And Ryder probably didn't understand, but I know Levi understood. I said, listen, I know Levi, you had it first. But what's happening is Ryder's been very selfish. And Levi, you're being very selfish. And selfishness does not please God. So here's the question, Ryder. And he, and Levi, who wants to please God? This is just yesterday before all the other traumatic events. I said, who wants to please God? And Levi dropped the belt. He says, I do. I said, glory to God, man of God. Let's go do something else. And then you know what happened? Ryder put down the belt. And then Levi just picked the belt back up and put it on. And I said, but you, you, you see that? That's what happens. That's what happens. Even your will, the things you want to do, because the way you were raised, the way I was raised is, who had it first? In other words, you can be selfish right now. But kingdom is, the word of God is, connect to the vine. Even the way you approach people, the way you raise your children will be different. So let me recap real quick. I'm, 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 I'm closing. When you abide in Christ, listen, you get the full benefits to the name of Jesus. When you abide in Christ, it, 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 your faith is developed. When you abide in Christ, it keeps you in a place where the answers are given. Number four, it keeps your self-will down. You look a little bit more like Jesus. 
5, it teaches us to aim to give God all the glory. Um, and so um, some action points for you, some questions to ask yourself so that you can uh, abide in Jesus just a little bit. You know, how do I apply this? Number one, I would practice constantly turning your thoughts towards God. His ways are higher. His ways are better. And it's your job to take your thoughts and turn them to his. What pleases the Father right now and everything? What pleases the Father right now? Just get in the, start with small things, you know, like whatever, whatever that might be. Just small things. And then number two, find a scripture that aligns with what you're believing God for and pray the scripture. What that is, that's your self-will dying. And that's you praying the will of God. And three, assess whether your thoughts, actions, and words are Christ-like. Because you won't win anybody unless you look like Jesus.